Well, it is strange and wonderful to be back in this spot, I suppose. Uh, for eight weeks, you've heard from other folks in the midst of the congregation and what a blessing it was. And I think it's important for you to remember and know that each one of you is indeed a precious child of God. You may or may not know about your own brain chemistry this, but something negative sticks right to your brain. Something positive you have to dwell on for at least 15 seconds. This is science. You have to dwell on for at least 15 seconds before it's internalized. So somebody says something ugly or you say something ugly to someone else, it sticks. You have to say over and over again, you are a precious gift from God in order to hear it and internalize it and make it a part of who you are because it's so much easier to hear the negative. You know, when I was growing up, uh, I learned an important lesson. You know, whether it was important or not, I don't know. I learned how important it was to look like you were competent, to look like you were behaving, to look like, so if, if you heard, you know, mom coming into the room, what? I was not picking on my little brother Tom. Of course it wasn't me. No, I didn't do it. I don't know why he's crying. I have no idea. It couldn't possibly have been me. Perhaps he's just sad because I was on the other side of the room from him. Do you notice how far away? So I've moved closer to him. That blood flowing down the side of his face, it could not have been me. It could not have been me. You know, I, I knew how to appear good. I knew how to appear as though I was behaved. I knew on the outside. And today we start a new series. And that new series is On the Mountain with Jesus. And we're going to look at the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. We have spent the last eight weeks looking closely at each of the Beatitudes. And I hope that you heard each one of those messages in a powerful way. They were all about this wonderful journey inward that Jesus invites each one of us to, do, to, to live into. Because the kingdom of God is, if I understand Jesus correctly, it's not some future kingdom you're going to. It is among you now. It is within you. Jesus says these very things about the kingdom. And for three chapters in the Gospel of Matthew, he spends his time trying to teach us what the kingdom looks like what it looks like in us. Now, today we have the topic, uh, we're, we're looking at this broadly thematically, whereas in the past few weeks you have heard one verse at a time, or in Melissa's case, four verses at a time last week. Everybody else, uh, you know, I threw her that curve. You know, uh, you do, you, the, you are the salt and you are the light of the world. And she, right on target with that. So this week we're beginning with law, which is the whole rest of the fifth chapter. So if you want to pull out a Bible, if you want to look along with me, I am in chapter 5, picking up with verse 17. But I'm not reading you the entire thing because we're going all the way to the end, which is verse 48. And by the time I finish reading it to you, you would say that was the sermon, isn't it James? And then I would say no, because I'm getting ready to tell you the whole thing all over again, word for word for word. So begin with me, if you will. I'm just going to read pieces of this and snippets to you, 
And you can read this and really study this and spend some time with this over the coming week. This will be, I would like to say to you that I believe this will be the last time we're going to look at this large of a swath all at once, but I can't guarantee. So uh, we're talking about law today. Jesus says this about the law. Now, uh, this will really perk up the ears of those of you who are interested in outward behavior. Very important, very focused on what's going on outside. Don't even begin to think that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. I haven't come to do away with them, but to fulfill them. Now, if you're a religious dude sitting in Jesus' audience, or a religious dudette sitting in Jesus' audience, you are like, yes, the man's about to lay it on thick. He's about to really show us some hellfire and brimstone. Shake us up some. Show us the way to behave. He's going to kick some good something. Anyway, he's going to really push us about the law. And if you're a good, uh, you know, if you're a good Jewish uh, member of Jesus' audience, who the primary audience was, you're thinking Ten Commandments. You know... You know, remember you were a slave in Egypt, and I brought you out and freed you, and uh, you'll have no other gods but me, don't make idol worship, don't take my name in vain, all those kinds of things. You're thinking, yes, I got all that down. Any number of times in Jesus' encounters, people thought they had it all down. You know, I have followed the Ten Commandments all my life. Let me tell you what, I don't think we should have any more arguments about whether we should post the Ten Commandments in public. I would like to have a good argument about why we should post the Beatitudes in public. Because the Ten Commandments are the minimum that we ought to follow. Don't kill your neighbor? Yes, yes, that makes complete sense. Don't kill your neighbor. Yeah, that's, don't lie about your neighbor? Makes complete, don't steal your neighbor's stuff? Don't want what your neighbor has? This all makes complete sense. It's the minimum standards, it's not the maximum. So posting those somewhere, it's like, yeah, don't kill people. Okay, yeah, that makes a little sense. You know, that's not even pushing most of us. But tell us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Tell us to be poor in spirit. Tell us to be peacemakers. Tell us to be salt and light. And boy, I don't know about that. So Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law. And everybody's like, oh, that's totally cool. But then he goes on, all those righteous people in his, in his audience who are listening to him, get this in verse 20. I say to you that unless your righteousness is greater than the righteousness of the legal experts and Pharisees, bum, 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 you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So you thought you, you obeyed all the outward laws, that you washed your hands exactly right, because the Pharisees didn't just follow the ten written laws. They had an additional 600 plus laws about how you wash your hands and who you ate with and how you sat down and what exactly was work on the Sabbath and what wasn't work. And all of there were 600 plus extras. And they followed them to the letter, assuming that by following them to the letter, they were making God happy. But Jesus comes to tell us that law is something much deeper. It's not just the way you look on the outside. It's how you look on the inside. It's what God wants to change about us inside of us. 
You know, I grew up in the church, uh, you know, most of, my, most of my life, from before I was born, I was in church every stinking Sunday, and plus some. And I heard over and over again in my Sunday school lessons to repent and believe the gospel. And I think that's a great thing to hear, except you need to hear something. I always thought repent was just be sorry for what you did. You know, turn away from what you did. The word in Greek, I don't do this, I told the folks who preached for the last eight weeks not to do this, but the word in Greek is metanoia, and it means change your mind. It means completely, not just change your mind, oh, I'm going this way, oh, I'll turn this way. It is completely change the fabric of your whole being, the very seat of all you think, the way you look at the world all around you. It's about what's inside of you. Because, as Jesus told us, it's not what goes into us that poisons us, but what comes out of us that makes us unclean, that makes us dirty, that makes us less than what God ever hoped for. So then he goes on to do what I think is a very interesting, this, is, this would not have been the teaching style of anybody else in Jesus' day, only Jesus. And his style was, he has six statements, you've heard it said, but I say to you, Got to take it up higher. So he starts off with murder. You already know, the, it, in, in my Bible it's entitled, The Law of Murder. So, you know, you immediately say, oh, this is not even going to apply to me. That's, I'm not going to have a problem. I haven't killed anybody recently. You know, a lot in the last 15 minutes, probably not. You know, I, I, I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm pretty clean in this area. And Jesus says, you've heard it said that you know, from those who lived long ago, don't commit murder. And all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. Well, hold on a second. Wait, wait. This whole angry with someone nearby? Oh, he even goes further. If they say to their brother or sister, you idiot... They will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say you fool, they are in danger of fiery hell. Oh man, this is taking it to a whole new level here. A whole new level. It's really easy for me not to kill any of you. You know, uh, first of all, I'm incompetent. I'm uncoordinated. The ability for me to do that, it would have to, I'd have to use my car. I mean, it would have to be something, you know, uh, amazing in my life. But not to think, oh my gosh, how foolish. Not to get angry with you? That requires a change of heart. That requires something bigger than I can do for myself. It requires me turning over my heart, my mind, my thinking process to the God who can change me from the inside out. Because... If we're really honest, what this journey of faith is all about, what living into the kingdom is about, is, is about a full transformation of who we are. It's about bringing out the very best that God created us to be and all of the trappings that we thought were so important that everybody else seems to think are important, that everybody else seems to point to as important in our lives, are not nearly as important. Now, I'll just tell you right now, I can't count to you how many times a day I, I get angry. But according to this, 
if I get angry, I'm in danger of judgment. Now, fortunately, I don't usually call people fools anymore. I got over that. It used to be about driving. I, oh, you idiot! What were you doing? Cut me Oh, that's right there. That's bad news. Don't be, you know, so now I'm finding a deeper peace, but it requires a whole letting go and a different way of looking at my world. Let's move on from murder because, you know, we thought we had that one down. Not so much. So, you know, you know, it goes on to say the law of adultery is the next one. I'm looking at verse 27. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. That seems pretty easy. You know, pretty straightforward. You know, I know what it is to be married to Linda. I know what it is to break that covenant, so I won't. However, Jesus says, but I say to you that every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. Oh, man, this is bad. I still remember what a big bombshell it was. I was in high school. Jimmy Carter was president. There's an interesting write-up, a three-page write-up of him, by the way, on the, in, the, in the Washington Post about what, what an interesting man he still is today. But uh, he did an interview with Playboy, of all things. I don't know what the president was doing with an interview, and he said that occasionally he lusted. According to this passage, Jesus has said, you've crossed the line. You've committed adultery. And we need to start holding ourselves to a higher standard, a different standard than just not doing these outward behaviors. We've got to watch out. What's going on inside of us? And you see, it's all a part of this change that needs to come with inside of us. It goes on beyond adultery. You know, uh, don't, you don't have to swear by heaven or by earth. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I don't know how many times I've heard that law, but Jesus says, nope. But I say to you that you must not oppose those who want to hurt you. If people slap you on your right cheek, you must turn the left. This does not sound like anything I was raised to do. You know, I was told to stand up to bullies. You know, now I didn't. Uh, I, most because I was kind of wimpy and scared, you know, kind of the thing. I still remember in the sixth grade being beaten up by my best friend on the way home from school because I'd beat him in the spelling bee, the class spelling bee, and he wanted to prove to me that he could spell better. And so Robert beat me up, you know, uh, and his sister went and told his mom, and he got a whooping. I mean, you know, the bottom line was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, you know, retaliate, get back at each other. And I'm not sure how... Beating me up proved that he was a better speller, but maybe, maybe it did. Uh, somewhere deep inside. It was some simple word we, I accidentally got right. You know, I listened to him spell it. They said wrong, and then I spelled it, and I got it right because I just changed one letter. You know, that's how you do it. You know, don't repeat the same one, just more forcefully. So uh, retaliation is not okay. This is really messing with me. And then, to top it all off, the law of love. Now, this seems pretty simple. You've heard it said... Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who harass you so that you will be acting as children of your Father who is in heaven. You don't have any space in your life for even hating somebody. This is messed up. This is messed up. Now, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Jesus gives us a hint. He gives us a hint here but he also gives us a hint elsewhere in the gospel when he says to you, you need to keep awake. 
you need to pay attention to what's happening inside of you. You have to know when something is rising up. You know what pushes your buttons. Well, don't go out of your way to get your buttons pushed. How many times do I know that if I go do certain things that someone's going to push my buttons and I'm going to get to respond to them? And because I know what buttons are easily pushed inside of me, I entrust those things to God and I let them go. The pattern for our lives is staying awake and letting go. Staying awake and letting go. Staying awake and letting go. When I start to feel the anger rise, I let it go. When somebody cuts me off in traffic, I let it go. If I need to have an inner talk about it for 15 seconds so I can feel positively about it, I think of the fact that they must be rushing to the hospital. Perhaps it's a surgeon. And perhaps they have to perform the, they're the only ones who can perform the surgery that has to be performed for this person not to die in five minutes. And so they have to get there, and that's why they've cut me off. You know, and that they, they drive a huge F-350, you know, with diesel, you know, power and everything like, because they need to get places. And it's okay if they've cut me off. It's perfectly all right. I don't need to hold on to that. And you know, Linda used to give me a hard time because I talk about traffic, but traffic is where my anger comes out. It comes out. All sorts of other things. People cut, cut line in front of me. I've gotten over that. People seem to know what's right and wrong, and I, I've let go of that. People say things that hurt my feelings. I, I let go of that. Oftentimes, they don't have any idea that what they said hurt my feelings. So why do I need to hold something against them? Because really, when I hold something against them, that thing holds me. I don't hold it. It holds me. It's got a hold of my heart in such a deep way that I can't let it go. So if I can learn this process that Jesus said was most important for us, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself. Emptied himself. Philippians 2, 5 and following. We need to have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. That's what following God is about. That's what being changed from the inside out is about. You know, it's, it's, it's a good start to not murder your neighbor. Don't, don't let, do not go home and say, now, Pastor James told us that we didn't even have to pay attention to those Ten Commandments. You know, that we really ought to pay attention to something. No. That's a good place to start. It's just not, it's a firm foundation. Start there. Don't end there. Instead, let God transform you from the inside out. That's what God is asking for. Did you listen to those eight weeks of people from within our congregation, sharing a message of hope, of positivity, of remaining humble. Those are all attitudes within, not necessarily on the outside. You can't always see the sign of someone who's, how do you know someone's hungry and thirsty for righteousness? I don't know. I can just see it in their eyes. It's, uh, it's hunger. And it's for righteousness and thirst. It's, not, you know, it, it's, it's for righteousness. It's not for, uh, it's not for that pizza that they smell in the other room. They're really hungry really hungry you can tell these are attitudes that change within us because God is at work within us changing us but part of the change is staying awake being present ready for God to work within us to make us who God imagines because if 
according to this passage in verse 46. If you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, are you, what, what more are you doing? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, you also must be complete in showing love to everyone. Jesus is taking, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's taking it to a whole new level. It's nice that you follow the Ten Commandments. That's good. But can you really love your neighbor? Can you really find a way to let go of your anger? Anger comes. Let me just tell you something. Anger comes. It's a natural response to some things. When you're afraid, you get angry. Someone cuts you off in traffic. It, it causes a moment of fear. So then you get angry because your self-protective mechanisms kick in. But can you let go as fast as it comes in? Can you let go as fast as it comes in? God doesn't expect you to never be angry, but God doesn't want you to hold on to it because you know what that creates? Bitterness, ugliness, you know, the kind of thing that eats you up from the inside out. God wants us to be clean on the inside, to be open on the inside, to be reflective of God on the inside. The journey of faith is a deep inward journey, and you've got it all in you. All of you in this room are capable of going as deep as you want to go and as open as you are to what God is moving. Because God has made you that way. It won't look the same. Not every one of you was interested in getting up and preaching on the Sundays, that uh, the eight weeks that we had different people. Some of the people who did preach may not have been interested, but I asked them and so they said yes. But the truth is, you've got it in you. And the truth is, every one of you preaches a sermon every single day, whether you know it or not. It's the way you treat your neighbors. It's the way you treat your family. It's the way you uh, behave when you're at work and when you're shopping and when you're with people and when you're by yourself. Character is who you are when nobody is watching. Character is who you are when nobody's watching. You can look like you're just perfectly fine on the outside. What's seething on the inside of you? Because that needs to change. If you think of yourselves uh, as less than God thinks of you, and by the way, God's a lot more spacious with you than you'll ever be with yourself, then you can't live up to what God expects and hopes for you. So, follow the Ten Commandments, but don't stop there. Keep awake. Pay attention. That's your assignment for this week. And for the rest of your life, pay attention. When you feel stuff boiling up on the inside of you, can you just let it go? Can you begin to practice? Not so that you'll be perfect. Practice is not about perfection. Practice is about getting better. You keep practicing. Even the best tennis players in the world, I watch them, the best golfers in the world flub on a swing, miss a ball that was right on their side of the court. So what do they do? They practice some more. And maybe the next time they don't miss. Practice letting go. 
Take up one of the spiritual practices we talk about at St. James. Do you take a Sabbath? Do you take a day every single week? The God of the universe did. Do you take a day every week and let go? No responsibilities. You know what? I found out something when I take vacation. St. James doesn't stop being St. James. The church doesn't stop being the church. God doesn't stop being God. Unbelievable to me, the world still rotates and revolves around the sun when I've taken some time off. You know what you'll find out if you take some time off? It still revolves and rotates just the same. Sabbath is a way of letting go. Let go of all the things that hold you back. Centering prayer is a way of letting go. Forgiveness is ultimately letting go. And if you need to practice it so that you can know it physically, practice letting go. Practice letting go. Your body knows what it looks like to let go. Can your heart come to know what it looks like to let go? Your mind, let go. Release. What's holding on to you that God wants you to let go of? One moment after another. Pay attention, let go. Pay attention, let go.